For the first time ever, Michigan is going to have a primary vote on candidates for president about a month earlier than we usually do. As a swing state, proponents say this is a change that gives Michigan voters a bigger say in who the presidential nominees are going to be. But there are a lot of logistics that come with a change like this. Today, we're talking with Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson about the primaries and what voters in Michigan need to know about this February. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Secretary Benson, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So February 27th is the big day this year. Is it too late for folks to register for the primary? Uh, well, first, it's it's not. Uh, this is the first statewide election where it's not a big day, but it's a series of days because we have early voting. And it's our first statewide election where citizens will be able to vote in person, not just on Election Day itself, but in the nine days that precede that date. So we're talking about it as the big week. <laughs> of election days. Yeah, thank you for the correction. If there's anything we learned from the past four years, it's that people do want to vote early. Yes. And in addition to that, people can register to vote still up to and on election day itself. The only relevant deadline for voter registration is if you wanted to do it online through our website at michigan.gov vote. That you have to do two weeks before February 27th, which is the last day of the presidential primary, the last day to vote in that primary. But in addition to that, even if you choose on that last day, February 27th to vote, you can go to your clerk's office and register in person there, get your ballot and cast it right there. So there's no uh, limit on your opportunities to register to vote and participate in this primary, even if you, you do it at the very last minute. What does it mean for your office and for our local clerks in counties and townships and cities? What does it mean for Michigan's election infrastructure to do a presidential primary early in this way? Well, it means a number of things. One, Michigan has always been in the national spotlight when it comes to presidential elections, particularly in the last 10 years. This just amplifies that spotlight because now our vote is happening earlier in the presidential primary process. Uh, that may not mean much this particular cycle where you have two you know, very um, significant front, front runners in both parties on the ballot. Uh, but at the same time, it's a mark for the future to say that Michigan's going to be very influential, not just in the general election of a president, but in the primary nomination as well. Right. Do clerks have the resources they need to do the things that they need to do? I suppose I should ask that of your office as well. Well, we are working with clerks to recognize that there's a lot of anxiety. This is for many a new <clears throat> change to manage nine days of uh, additional election days, early voting days, in addition to election day itself. But that said, we ran an early voting pilot program in many jurisdictions, including in Grand Rapids and Oakland County, when they had local elections last November. That helped us roll out a new technology, test the process, and identify um, all the things we need to do to put the technology in place statewide. The bottom line is we're ready. Uh, and the the what we do we say we're ready uh, out of recognition of the great deal of preparations we've been engaged in for the last year, and also recognizing that clerks' uh, approach to this uh, for many of whom will be very new, and so there will be understandable anxieties as we go through the process for clerks and voters alike. I'm sure. I mean, it's new, but at the same time, it feels like we're in a situation where the Democratic and Republican nominees are 
effectively a foregone conclusion. I mean, there's not a lot of question about whether or not Joe Biden is running for re-election, and Donald Trump has had a pretty commanding lead in some of the other primaries. Is is this necessarily going to demonstrate for us, uh, you know, what a what why Michigan should have its primary in February? Well, for us internally, it's actually a great opportunity to uh, ensure our first statewide rollout of early voting goes smoothly. Because we, while we want to see high turnout in every election, it's unlikely we'll see the numbers, the turnout numbers that we'll experience in November and even August come out in this primary election. So we're looking at this internally as an opportunity to uh, have a go as a almost as an extended pilot of early voting for this presidential primary. And secondly, yes, in this particular cycle, we see not a lot of um, heavily contested votes on the primary side. There are some localities that will have additional local uh, things on the ballot as well. And that's why we do encourage everyone to go to michigan.gov slash vote and pull up their local ballot so that they can see if there's other things that they may be weighing in on in this particular election. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about new protections for poll workers. Stay with us. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Secretary Benson, last year, Michigan's legislature passed some new roles designed to make for a safer environment at polling places on Election Day. Can you lay out briefly what's new? Well, the bills we enacted last year, among other things, recognize the importance of protecting the people who protect democracy. And they specifically make it a crime to harass an election worker and uh, recognizes that when, when someone threatens an election worker, they're threatening democracy. And the, the specific legislation makes it more clear that we will not tolerate this type of intimidation, much of which is rooted in misinformation and lies uh, about our elections and the workers who personify democracy to many at the local level. Uh, the new laws make it a crime, a misdemeanor for the first and second offenses and a felony for all subsequent offenses for any individual who would intimidate an election official with the specific intent of interfering with their duties uh, and making it and, and thereby interfering with our elections themselves. I know that you're keenly aware that in 2020, for example, we have had situations where dozens or sometimes hundreds of people, depending on where you live, were going to uh, the places where ballots were counted to see what was happening and sometimes act in ways that they thought might help the candidates that they support. Does this year feel any different to you? Do you think we're going to have election days like that this year? We're always prepared for any type of disruption going into election day. But at the same time, we recognize that this particular election is one in which there will be national and perhaps even international adversary to democracy focused on Michigan, focused on our elections uh, with the intent and desire to perhaps influence them or influence the voters uh, in a way that 
creates a sense of chaos or confusion uh, or even voter intimidation as they go to vote. So we're doing now in in the early stages of this year, the work we need to do to empower local voices, faith leaders, sports leaders, business leaders, community leaders, labor leaders with the truth about our elections and also making it clear that if anyone does try to act on misinformation and interfere with our processes in any way at the ballot box, at the counting box, when, when those ballots are being counted, or even at the drop boxes as ballots are being returned and cast, we will be there to ensure there are consequences and that their efforts will not succeed. Do you have any sense of whether local clerks' training procedures have changed based on experiences in 2020? Yes. Among the new things this year is resilience training uh, and deterrence tra- training, recognizing that if there is a a challenge at the polls on election day, for example, or some sort of disturbance or interference or disruption when ballots are being counted at the absentee counting boards, the absentee ballot counting boards. Our clerks are now and our poll workers are now being trained to de-escalate uh, disturbances and with a clear path of, of uh, next steps and procedures to follow if a disruption gets out of hand. So that's new this year. Typically, a lot of our poll worker training and election worker training is focused on the counting of the ballots themselves and the actual work. Uh, but at the same time, we recognize in this moment in particular, we have to have an added training of resilience and de-escalation to ensure the people at the polls are, and, and the counting boards are safe. I wanted to ask about one other thing. There's a lawsuit right now that's sorting out a leadership debate within one of the state's two major parties. As Republicans are working through that, at the same time, the Michigan GOP, one of our two major parties, is is also going to be doing a very different system for its presidential primary vote this year, choosing who's going to be the nominee for Michigan. There will be primary votes, but also a series of caucuses that are based on the congressional districts. Do you have any concerns about the fact that the party is going through a period of leadership instability and also is having some trouble with its finances at the same time as our democratic system needs a way for Republican voters to make themselves heard in the primary process? You know, my focus is always on the people and people on both sides of the aisle need to have mechanisms to which their voices can be heard and parties that represent their voices. And there's certainly a lot of inherent value in a two-party or multi-party even system that enables all of those voices and perspectives to be expressed in a productive and meaningful way. So anytime there's a breakdown in that system, I have concerns for our democracy, but I also have enormous faith in the people themselves and in many of the, the, the members of the Republican Party to ensure there are ways and methods that voices that, that share their perspective and positions or support certain candidates can be heard. Uh, and one example of that is the way that the caucus system has unfolded, that every party can choose for themselves how they're going to, how each state is going to nominate uh, their particular presidential candidate in Michigan. There's been, there, the, the state Republican Party has decided to split their decisions through both the primary in February and a caucus in March. My goal on that front will simply to be try to make clear to our voters, again, with the focus on voters and, and their education, what their vote means in both scenarios and making sure they have the access to information that they need to feel no matter how they choose to participate or in what party's primary they choose to participate in, that they have a clear path to ensuring their voice is heard and understanding both how to cast their ballot and how to um, cast it in, a, in accordance with the goals they hope to achieve. 
Jocelyn Benson is Secretary of State for Michigan. Secretary Benson, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Bear. You can find full Stateside episodes when you're ready for more listens. Find us at michiganpublic.org. Today's podcast was produced by our pod editor, Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Moradian and Laura Neong. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Audio Network and from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday.